Well, tonight uh, we are continuing our series that we've been doing called Marriage 911. And uh, so far we've talked about uh, that we can't talk to each other. We can't communicate with one another. That's a problem in marriage, isn't it? Last time, Pastor Chris shared that uh, many of us face the struggle of we can't work together. I mean, marriage is a partnership, and we've got things that have to be accomplished and things that need to be done, and, and it's absolutely critical that we be able to work together on those things, and for many of us, we're just at a point where we say, we can't do that. But tonight, the title of the message is this, we don't even like each other. Oh, isn't that a sad statement to make? Wouldn't that be a, a sad place for a couple to have to be? I mean, we can all kind of understand the first couple. Everybody has trouble communicating, okay? So we could say, you know what? We just, we're just having a little bit of trouble breaking through with the talking and the communication. Or everybody can understand having a little bit of trouble working together. And so we're having a little bit of a hard time getting on the same page. But to develop to the point of someone saying, you know what? In our marriage, we just don't even like each other anymore. That's a very sad statement for some of us tonight to have to make. And yet, for some of us, it's the honest truth, isn't it? Don't shake your head if it is, okay? But all kidding aside, there are some of us tonight that, that would say, you know what, that is. If I was being honest, that's where we are. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God who meets us where we are, amen? Amen who says, come to me just as you are, and if you will trust me, I can help you. In fact, I can help you to become completely an overcomer and victorious. So tonight, we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us about this. What do you do when you don't like your spouse anymore? Now, I know if that's you tonight, there's probably a lot of emotion that goes into that statement. So it's a little bit hard, it's a little bit difficult to kind of calm down a little bit and be a little more rational about it, but I think we just need to back up and start at this place. If you're struggling in your marriage tonight, I think it's very important for us to note and to realize and to think about that we need to realize that there are seasons to marriage. There are seasons to this relationship that we call marriage. You see, the enemy, we've talked about this a little bit already, the enemy wants it to be that, you know what, uh, the problem is him, or the problem is her, or the problem is us together. And so, in other words, we're just messed up. Anybody ever feel like that before? We're just messed up. We're just, we're just bad goods. But what we're about to explore together tells us that in many ways, I hope this is encouraging to you, you are just like everybody else. Doesn't it help to know that sometimes? Doesn't the enemy want to teach us that we are the prime example of messed up? That we're the worst possible case, the worst scenario? We talk about grace at church and amazing grace. And then there's a little asterisk and an exception clause that says, except for the Langford family, right? It works for everybody but us because we're the most messed up or put in your name. That's the way it feels sometimes. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about recognizing the seasons of marriage. First of all, the Bible just tells us that there are seasons to life in general. There's ebbs and flows to our life. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 8. It says, there is an appointed time for everything. And actually that word can be translated. Some of your translation says, there is a season for everything. 
And there is a time for every event or for every purpose under heaven. That word as well can be translated a season for everything under heaven. There's a time, there's a season. Every time you say that word time, it can be translated season. There's a time to give birth. There's a time to die. There's a time to plant. And there's a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I know you aren't thinking that, okay? We're not going to sing that song. And that's where that song comes from, by the way. The Bible didn't come from that song. That song came out of the Bible. The Bible says that there are seasons to life. In fact, God set those in His creation from the beginning. Write down Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible says that God set the sun, the moon, and the stars in the heavens to signify times and seasons. And interestingly... Though we will no longer be bound by time in heaven, Revelation 22 verse 2 talks about a tree of life that will bear fruit in heaven. And it gives the impression, it's according to how it's interpreted here, uh, some people think that it's saying that it's going to bear the same fruit, but it's going to bear it every single month of the 12 months. Other people say, no, it's going to bear 12 different kinds of fruits, one fruit this month, another the next month. And so what that really all about is not necessarily those details. I mean, it can kind of be interpreted both ways. I really think it's probably talking about a different fruit each month of the 12 months. Okay? And what that's really talking about in Revelation is talking about healing. It's talking about victory. It's talking about vitality. It's talking about life and variety in heaven. All those are exciting things to think about in heaven. Amen? But really, for our purpose here, the interesting thing is, is that Revelation 22, verse 2, talks about months. Huh. There will be some sense of time, not being bound by it, not a curse from it, but a sense of seasons and time, even in heaven. Unfortunately, when we enter into marriage, we usually start at a place, we have a point, don't we? This is wonderful. This is just, I'm basking in the glow of love, right? I mean, let's run to the altar now. Let's just make it official right now. This is just so great, and we want that to last forever. I don't think anybody ever starts hating each other, amen? I don't think anybody ever stops, starts with, with, with negative in mind. We're thinking, man, this is great. Why can't we just, or we're expecting this, can stay that place forever, but the reality of life is that things do not stay the same, Amen? As bad as I hate it, as bad as I try to fight it, it irritates me. I caught 20 fish in this hole in an hour last time I came, and now it looks like I don't even see a fish. There was never a fish here ever before. Why does it have to be like that? That's just my example. You got your own, right? But that's just not reality. The reality is that looks are going to change. The reality is that jobs are going to change. You start your marriage working in a certain career and very likely that's going to be different. The reality is that the numbers 
change, don't they? The, the, number, the amount of money that you make or, or uh, the, uh, the, the size of your family, those numbers change, don't they? There was just two of us, and now there's three of us, and now there's four of us, or however many kids you might have. If there's one constant in life, it's that we will experience change. Almost constantly. Friends, listen, we need to realize that in marriage. There's several Christian counselors who've tried to sort of break this down for us a little bit to help us think. I don't know about you, but it helps me to think about, just hear about cycles that people see, that people observe, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And as we look at people's lives, here's some cycles that we go through. And so I want you to write some of these down. Someone uh, said that the, the first cycle is young love. And that's about year one and year two. Okay? And that's, that's a stage of kind of getting to know each other and it's exciting and all those kind of things. Now, there are some people that find out pretty quick that, uh-oh, I made a mistake, okay? So there's some people that, that, that kind of, this is not a good stage for, but this is what I would call the getting started stage. We're just kind of getting to know each other, getting our feet under us, figuring things out, having a good time together. Then there's years three through ten. They call this realistic love. You know where that's going, amen? <laughs> it was wonderful and now it's not. You know, you do things. And I know you used to do them, but they were cute back then. Now they annoy me because you've been doing them for three years, right? So it's, it's going, you know, we're, we're beginning to work hard. We're beginning to kind of hunker down and, and try to make a living and support a family. And we're getting to know each other and we're surprised by some of those things. And then you add those little people into the mix. And we just begin to be overwhelmed by all the work that's involved in life and relationships. So, so years three through ten, I would call seeing reality. Okay, the first was just sort of getting started, but that realistic love is just beginning to understand the reality of the situation. Then years eleven through twenty-five, they call comfortable love. There's an even better sense of who each other is. Probably there's been some hurts, right? There's been some things, some mistakes made and some things that have had to be kind of worked out. There's been some losses. You probably lost a job. You may have, you know, you may have lost a house. You may have lost some dreams. You may have had to move. Some bad decisions have been made. The kids are getting older. We're getting very busy. There's lots of challenges. And some people in this stage start thinking, hey, it's not too late for me. Maybe if I make a change in gears and change in direction, i.e. if I got somebody else, there's still time for me to have a decent amount of time with that person and to maybe write this. That's the negative in that situation. I call that one accepting reality. It's a stage of beginning to understand what's real, but, but a question of whether I'm going to accept that reality. Years 26 through 35, they call renewing love. We get more established financially. The kids are beginning to move out of the house. Maybe you lost your parents. And, and, and people begin to wonder, do we know each other? You know, we've been working hard all these years, but now, you know, it's just us. And do we know each other? Do we like each other? Do we have anything in common? Have we just been working to keep something going all these years, but we really don't have anything between us? The positive, I would call this stage making it better. That's why they call it renewing love, okay? So now it's a point where we've, we've realized some things, and now we have some freedom to begin working on some of those things together. The last one is this. The 36th year till the end. <laughs> okay, I mean, however long. You know, I heard somebody the other day was married for was it 80 years or something. Surely not. I, I heard somebody was 65, 80 years, something like that. They call this transcendent love. 
It's a time for accepting the life that you've had together and, and just beginning to look back at some of the heritage and some of the tracks that you've laid down. So they call it transcendent love. I, I would call it finishing well. It's a decision to be able to finish. Now, there are some people in this stage, I don't hear of many, but i got to be honest with you, recently it seems like I've been hearing more of 30, 40 year marriages that aren't lasting. So there are people even in that stage that, that their marriage are, are, are breaking down. Um, now, I like sort of thinking about that. That kind of helps. It's worth realizing in marriage. Somebody else talked about spring, summer, fall, and winter. So they sort of talked about spring is the cycles in life where we're working together. We're kind of, you know, getting the fields ready. We're doing some things together. Summer's when you're sort of reaping the benefit and things are good and you're enjoying it. Fall's when things get a little bit cool and the edges begin to fray. And you're neglecting things, it's not going so great, and winter's, you know, kind of just, okay, we're there, so we know, right? It's cold, it's, there's some bitterness, there's some resentment. We're going to talk more about that, really, in next week's message. Maybe a loss of hope sometimes can happen in winter. So again, these are just cycles of relationship that people who study how God has wired us have, have just recognized and we can look at that, and I hope you can say, listen, I mean, it's not to be hard and fast, it's not, but, but it's interesting to look at those things and to really just mainly realize that, hey, things are going to change. There are going to be some ups. There are going to be some down periods. And we're not necessarily the worst possible couple in the world because things aren't working that great right now. Second thing is this, to remember why you married. So we need to recognize that there's some ups and downs in marriage, but the Bible talks to us about going back to that first place that we were, even in our relationship with God. Listen to Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, and I want you to read the parts on the screen that are underlined. The Lord said to this church, this church in Ephesus, He says, but I have this against you, that you have you've left your first love. Here's what God called them to do in His relationship with Him. He says, therefore... Is it not underlined? Okay, it's supposed to be. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and... Do the deeds you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Now, in this passage, we see a church that had once burned brightly for God, had been very close in their relationship with God, but something had happened along the way. Somehow they had left what he called, they had left their first love. They had left that place, that close place that they had first started with God. It was a much closer place, a much more meaningful relationship, and they had somehow moved away from that. And what did God call them to do? God says, listen, stop for a second. Think about what our relationship used to be like and let's go back to those kind of things. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7. One of many passages in the Bible. Listen, read your Bible and see how many times the Lord talks about returning. Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Okay, so basically, if you're doing wrong, God says... Let's go the other direction, okay? He says, and let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God. I love this verse. I mean, 
I can remember the very first time I ever read this and it just continues to wash over me. For He will abundantly pardon. Oh, by the way, those verses are talking about your personal relationship with God. Do you have one tonight? Do you have that love, intimate relationship? The Bible says no matter who you are, what you've done, God says either come back to the place you were supposed to have with Him, give your life to Christ, or maybe you are a Christian. He says come back to that place that we once were. But what's important about these verses is they say to us that, listen, even in our relationship with God, many times there's a drifting, isn't there? Doesn't that happen? Isn't it true that sometimes you are closer to God than you are at other times? Isn't that true? Okay, so the Bible says we need to recognize that that happens in our relationship with God. Certainly, it's going to happen in any other relationship. And it's certainly going to happen in marriage. But we have the opportunity to do what with God? What's the word? Return. Return. He's calling somebody here tonight. You can just close your eyes. You can see the Lord waving you, can't you? I hope you will tonight. I hope you will. Amen, anybody? Would you tell that person he's worth returning to? Amen? He's worth giving your life to. Would you see God waving you to that? But maybe he's talking to you about your marriage, coming back to that place where you once were. We surveyed some of the couples in our church family uh, recently, and we just asked some of them, do you remember why you married? What were some of the things that first attracted you to your spouse? And here's some of what they said. Um, I knew as soon as I met Tom that he was the one I was going to marry. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. Um, actually, at the time, he was dating my friend. So I didn't make any moves. Um, and uh, I just knew uh, that he was the one. And I waited for God to bring it about. I'd been a Christian about a year. Um, and I decided well, if this is what God wants from me, he'll bring it about. And he did. Um, what attracted me to Tom, uh, he's kind of quiet, um, and I like that. And he's funny. Mm. And he picked me up. And that would be the thing that um, that uh, attracted me to Tom. I tend to be very serious, more quiet, and he's quiet, but he's really funny. Honestly, um, Tom makes me laugh every day. Um. I just knew. I don't know. I mean, you can't really say. I mean, you know, um, she just had a, a, a certain way about her. She was uh, her. It was like a gentle spirit, humbling spirit kind of thing, and um, it was kind of different because I never really felt that way about anybody before. And um, you know, like my primary thought, you know, you get up in the morning, and it's like, oh, you know, I gotta give her a call. You know, this was before we were even like dating, and this was after that I wasn't going out with this other person. Um, <laughs> we were friends for well, I'm a just while saying, cause we were friends. before we started dating, which was so, which I think makes all the difference. You know, go out and get the Christmas tree, but we're not dating. You know, didn't happen until Valentine's Day that I finally like you know, mm-hmm. you know kind of cracked the egg cracked and the there we go. Keep it always gets us. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, you know. We just, uh, I just think that we just had um, a good uh, connection. Mm. I don't really know how else to, yeah. to say yeah. it. Amen. Isn't that great to hear? And Tom is funny. You are Tom. You're a very funny guy. I don't know what you meant about crack the egg, but that was good. I mean, just whatever he said, it sounded good. He, he broke the ice or something. But uh, 
You know, I imagine uh, watching uh, that video probably caused some of you to maybe even go back a little bit and think about what first caught your eye about your spouse. Um, there was something about that person, whether it was, you know, at first or maybe probably over a process of time, that made you think about this person. Listen, this is a big step. I want to spend, I think I might want to spend the rest of my life with this person. You know, I think maybe we should do a little bit of that more often. Would you agree? I mean, we sort of, uh, we asked those couples, it was some of the questions that you had given, and so we asked them to sit down and to, and to answer some of those questions and share, and we really appreciate them doing that. But, but you know, how many times, unless somebody asks us to do that, do we actually do that? It was funny, this week I came home uh, from the office, and I came in, and I always come in the kitchen, and Shannon was there and getting some things ready, and one of the kids walked in and just kind of asked us, said, hey, Dad, what do you like about Mom? And... I started listing, man, you know, just like, I like this, I like this, I like this, and then, well, then Shannon, you know, what, mom, what do you like about dad? And she started listing, I like this, I like this, and I got to tell you, I, I wouldn't go over and give her a smooch right there. Um, and, and just talking about it right now kind of makes me want to. I mean, I was like, I was like, you know, that was, wow, that was pretty nice. Maybe we ought to do that more often, amen? Maybe we ought to think about those kind of things. So if you're struggling to like each other right now, maybe a good thing would be to remember, write that down, remember how it started. Why you fell in love. What made you choose this person to spend the rest of your life with? Listen, when times are tough, we tend to focus on what bothers us, right? What annoys us, what we don't like. But here's what I like to say to people. You married this person for a reason. Okay, right now, it's hard to see it. But if you married them for a reason, what were those reasons? What about this person at some point said to you, I am so connected with them that I think I want to spend... No, you didn't say I think, you did. I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. By the way, in the, in the interviews that we did with the couples, over and over again, I think almost every couple, if not every one, talked about they were friends, which I thought was really cool. Now, somebody might say, but, but you don't understand. He's changed or she's changed. Listen, I want us to think about some things, okay? Sometimes we're right in the mix. Sometimes we're just kind of, you know, locking up together and we're not thinking a little bit higher picture. So let's think about that tonight. That person that you married is probably in there somewhere. The person that you were drawn to. And for some reason, either you're just not seeing those positive things anymore, or maybe they're not being those things, but there's probably a reason. Okay, so here's what I... Maybe just begin talking to yourself. If I'm not seeing those things, God, what has happened in me not to recognize those positives? Or maybe if they're not portraying the things I used to see, has something happened in their life that might have even understandably changed that? The loss of a parent... Have you ever seen that throw off a marriage? It's huge. Some of you have experienced it. The loss of a job. Working hard. Daylight to dark in the North Country during the winter. Dark to dark. All right? You know, just working all the time. And sometimes, you know, the frustration and the pressure and all those things. Now listen, you begin to realize that this person down in there is that person that I married somehow that's been buried either in my perception or in reality in their life. 
I understand how that could have happened. And now I want to do the best I can to help bring that back out again. And so what happens is, instead of fighting that person, now I have a heart to want to help them. And we work together to recover that together. Second thing is, also notice the good things now. It might be some of the things that you started with, but probably that person, you've noticed some good things about your spouse in the weeks and months and years since you got married that you had never noticed before. I want to encourage you to do something tonight. I want to encourage you to make yourself a note, and I want you to do this before bed. If you're married, I want to encourage you to write a list of at least ten things that are special about your spouse. Ten things that make that person a unique person, a quality, you know, something that are just qualities that bring that person out and make them who they are. And you know what I think you're probably going to find? You married a pretty amazing person. They're not perfect for sure, but still, there was a reason. Let's look at some of those reasons why I picked this person. And by the way, it may not be a bad idea to tell that person. Amen? I mean, you know, I might get some stuff going there. I said, I want to smooch. You know, I mean, you start, you, start, uh, you start sharing your heart in that kind of way. I mean, we don't do that very often, right? Something might happen there. It might be a blessing. I better move on. I'm getting a little hot. Red. All right. So, so if you're struggling in your marriage, first of all, let's just, let's just realize there's going to be some seasons to this thing. Really, any relationship, right? It applies to any relationship. There's going to be some cycles that we go through. So maybe let's back off a little bit of our expectations. Then begin to think about, remember how that started. God says, return to me. Many times it's that first place. I don't know why it's that way, but isn't it that way? That first place sometimes is that best place. And God says, you know, come back to that place. But the last thing is this, keeping the fire alive. If we're not careful, very careful, life just has a way of wearing on you, doesn't it? And that certainly has an impact on the intimacy, the closeness we have in our marriage. But God created us to have marriage as a place to experience great intimacy and closeness with our spouse. I said I was moving on, but actually it's about to turn up right here. Okay, you ready for Song of Solomon? All right, listen to these verses from Song of Solomon. Chapter 1, verse 2. May He kiss me with the kisses... Of, by the way, parents, this is in the Bible, okay? All right, so just PG, whatever. All right, but it's in the Bible. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Solomon chapter 1 verse 4. Draw me after you and let us run together. The king has brought me into his chambers. Chapter 2 verse 4. He brought me to his banquet hall and his banner over me is love. Let's just put that in real life language. You had a party for your spouse and you made a big sign that said my love and an arrow pointing down to their seat. That does something. Amen? that make you feel pretty good? Chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. You have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes, with a single strand of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. 
How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils or the perfumes than all kinds of spices? Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Chapter 7, verse 1 and verse 6, the curves of your hips are like jewels. The work... All right, settle down, Richard. All right. <laughs> no, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. Well, this is pretty good. Now, there's something Solomon says that's sort of like uh, ancient Eastern, you know, so you have to translate it more into English. But this is pretty good. The curves of your hips are like jewels, the work of the hands of an artist. How beautiful and delightful you are. Wow. Chapter 7, verse 11, verse 13. Come, my beloved, let us go out into the country. There I will give you my love. You almost say, who talks like that? I know a few couples, and they've been married a while. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's why. Maybe that has something to do with it. Did you, did you know Genesis chapter 2, verse 23? The Bible says that Adam, when God created Eve, he said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Now, it's kind of Hebrew poetry, so it doesn't come across as well in English. So let me just kind of put it in Robbie 2014. Guys, just sort of us bumbly, you know, guys that don't know how to do this. Roses are red. Violets are blue. And I was looking for someone, and it was you. (laughs) That, that really, really, Hebrew scholars will tell you, Adam, now this is bad. Yeah, baby, that's right. <laughs> now this is bad exegesis of God's Word, but some people actually said that's why she's called, whoa, man. <laughs> it kind of works, but it's not really a good, uh, good breakdown of the Bible. So the Bible calls us, listen. It calls us to this love relationship. Now listen to this. Dear sir or ma'am, if we're not working toward that kind of a relationship, I'm actually sinning against God. See, I want to see this as sort of like optional. It's like, man, if you really want it to be nice, then you should do these kind of things every once in a while. But really, the Bible describes this is the kind... I'm not saying it has... You came in here and said, well, my marriage was messed up, and now it's not, you know, past the 10, 11 on fire, you know, so I feel even worse. No, it's just saying it can be. And here are some of the things that if we listen to how God has created this relationship, it can be that way. So how do we do that? How do we have that, that closeness that we once had, or maybe even more than that? Guys, I mean, for most of us, this doesn't come natural, does it? I mean, I got to tell you, I just personally, I'm not a much of a touchy-feely, huggy kind of person. I'm not a, you know, sugar pie, honey bunch. I mean, just, Robbie just doesn't use that. You know, just, just not, and maybe some of you other guys are the same way. And then on top of that, we're just kind of busy. There's just a lot going on. For the ladies, I think that's probably the biggest thing is busyness. I don't have time to be romantic. You know, I'm so tired, I can't even imagine you know, whatever, you know. I'm just trying to get through the day. How do we keep the fire alive? Listen to what some of our couples said when we asked them that question. You know, you know what they, they like. You know, I'm, I'm saying you've been together so long that 
what what pleases her. The flowers don't please her. They're, they're going to go down. So now I buy her the cheesecake that's better than flowers. And I bring a fork out too. So, but you know what? What no? But what she would like, or what she you know the lights. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I try to please her. Or, yeah, I know. You know, there's certainly that um, tendency as far as at least on the physical side of it. I think, you know, men, you know, there's that physical, whereas we want to be emotionally connected, um, that in turn, um, finding what each other wants in order to get to that place that you're both mutually um, satisfied is a huge thing. And I know at one point we used to talk about I would have that tendency to stay up late, and he has a tendency to go to bed really early. And yet at some point we really found that um, by taking, getting more of a compromise or at least finding that I would go to bed at an earlier time so that we had that intimacy together, um, even if it was you know just to talk at that point versus that separation and not spending so much time there, you know, we really have just found that that... Um, that our intimacy has grown over the year and the affection because we take that. We do, we're very purposeful about trying to go to bed at that same time. We're getting up early together so that we're spending those special moments um, before the day gets started or at the end of the day. And um, I think for us, that's definitely helped keep the fire alive. Well, I really appreciate those couples uh, kind of being vulnerable and opening up a little bit. Um, they were nervous about it, because they? they all said, you know, we're not experts, but, you know, if you want us to share some of the things that we've sort of experienced in our marriage, we asked them to do that. And did you hear some of the things they mentioned? There's some good, some good nuggets there for us to think about. I want us to, to think about a few things tonight, maybe to, to get us started on keeping that fire burning. First of all, write this down. Try to do things that please your spouse. Try to understand what your spouse enjoys and to do some of those. Did you hear what Ray said? I mean, he could just, you know, go to the store, go to the florist and get some flowers. And, and that seems like a nice thing to do in general. But she doesn't really care for flowers. So she wants what, ladies? Bring me some cheesecake. And by the way, he said, I bring her a fork too. I mean, he's just like, you know, that was just a nice little, you know, thought, wasn't it? I mean, I just, he, what, what did he say, actually? I try to do things that what? Please her. And I guarantee you, there were some ladies here tonight that when they heard him say that, just in your mind, you said, oh, that sure is sweet. You know what? That's what we ought to be shooting for from our spouse. Oh, that was very sweet. Secondly, pay attention to the small things. It could be starting their car in the morning. It could be uh, getting their coffee going. Listen, I heard someone say this. Those small things in life, listen, grab hold of this tonight. Those small things done daily in a relationship build up a reservoir of good that helps you withstand the difficulties of life. Somebody put it like this, making deposits instead of debits, right? Making deposits into our relationship. I heard one marriage expert uh, talking about wives. She was encouraging wives to sit with their husbands. What do I mean by that? Well, what she said is this. She said, men don't talk as much as ladies typically, but they like to have their wives around. A good husband does. I mean, some guys are trying to get away. But, but a good husband, listen, ladies, if you've got a good husband, a good husband wants you to be around his life. 
And this is what she said. She said, I began encouraging ladies to do that. And so they said, you know, when, when ladies would come for counseling, she would say, listen, if he's not talking, just go sit with him. He's out working on the car. Just pull up a chair, read a book and sit with him. And she said uh, she would continue to encourage ladies to do that. And as she did, that the husband would make comments to his wife like, wow, this was great. I really enjoyed spending this time with you. And she's like, we didn't talk and we didn't do anything. But ladies, listen, it's different than you, but that is some of how he's wired. He enjoys having you around. Maybe he's not going to talk as much, but he wants you to be around. On the other side, men, many times for a lady, just reaching over and grabbing her hand. Or you're sitting together, and you just reach over and put your hand on her knee. Something about that says that she's special to you, that she's precious, that, that, you, that, you, that, that she's yours. You love her. Number three, make time for your relationship. Raise your hand if you're busy. Okay? Welcome to the 21st century as Americans. Amen? I mean, it's just reality. Life is constant. But listen, this helps me. But that does not negate the fact that I made a commitment to give my heart to someone for life. Okay, so in the midst of all that constantness, just like all the other important things in life, we must make appointments for our spouse. The very first important person in our life is God. He's on the top. We make appointments to spend time with Him, to worship Him, to seek Him. But your spouse is the second most important. Carolyn talked about intentionally going to bed earlier. Don't you think her husband, Gary, knows that? That she likes to stay up later, but she's intentionally moving towards that direction because what does that say to him? She wants to spend time with me. It could be a date night. It could be, hey, we need to carve out some time to talk about the kids. Listen, put it on your Google calendar. I know that doesn't seem romantic, but I think it kind of is. It says, I have an appointment, and I cannot break that appointment, just like every other appointment. In fact, it might be more important than every other appointment. Easy for me to say. All right? And I'm going to keep that, because I'm making time for our relationship. Number four, be interested in what your spouse enjoys. Now, that doesn't mean I'm a hunter, I'm a fisherman. It doesn't mean Shannon has to go out and get some camo and, you know, get all, you know, into hunting and fishing and go every time I go. To some extent, it's good to have different things, Right? It's good to have different interests. I mean, as long as it's within reason. But if you love this person, shouldn't you be somewhat interested in what interests them? And even if you're not, showing that interest is going to touch them. Guys, I may not be dying to see the next episode of Downton Abbey. Alright? Or North and South. But she likes it. You know, actually, there is a little bit of like fighting and dying in there that kind of brings it around. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's all right. <laughs> it's a good story. And sometimes you might find a common interest, something that as you grow together in life that you enjoy doing together, that you both can enjoy. Again, many of our couples that we interviewed just said, they just kind of spontaneously shared throughout the interview that they were friends before they got married. And it's been one of the biggest blessings of their life to stay friends. The last thing is this. From time to time, seek to wow your spouse. Sometimes, do something special. Sometimes, step outside the norm. Do something that shows them 
how special they are. And by the way, this is important. In a way that communicates that to their hearts. That's what the Five Love Languages resource that we've talked about. You can actually go to fivelovelanguages.com. You can do a survey and it will tell you your love languages, how someone can communicate love to you. But I would probably rather get you get your spouse to take it and then you can understand what they respond to. This is what tells your spouse that you care and you love, about, you, you love them. If, if your spouse is not a gift person, you can sell the car and buy a diamond ring and give it to her, and she'd probably still take it. But I mean, if she's not a gift person, that, that may not be as important as, but you never take out the garbage when I ask you to. I mean, it's just everybody has different ways of communicating that. So there's special things, but then there's silly things. Got my little teddy bear sitting up here. I actually had to use it twice this week, but I'll tell you what, I'm just kidding. I'm not really, but I'll tell you what it's about. Shannon and I went to a uh, wedding conference probably 10 years ago. And the pastor that did it, he gave these out to everybody. And he just explained that through the years when he and his wife, you know, have some tenseness or whatever, that this is just a way that they could, not verbally, but just kind of in a playful way, hide the bear somewhere and they'd find it. And, and that would say, hey, can we break the ice here? Can we come back together? And, you know, uh, there was one night this week, Shannon and I, you know, had some intense fellowship right before bed and, you know... And, it was okay, it's just a little bit tight, you know, so anyway, she was in the bathroom, and I pulled out a little teddy bear, and I, I poked him in the pillowcase, and she laid down, and there was something lumpy on her head, and you know what, she wanted really bad to be mad at me, but she couldn't help it. She smiled. I deserved it, by the way, it wasn't Shannon, it was me. That's silly. Some of you guys are like, I'm not buying that little teddy bear. It costs 50 cents, you know. It's on the Valentine's, you know, markdowns or whatever. I mean, it's just a cheap little... That's dumb, Pastor Robbie. Well, how's your way working? <laughs> Isn't it cute? Just a little, little guy there. I love you. It's amazing. How just little things sort of just change the situation. Amen? You know, I really believe in lots of areas of life, you don't really have to be that good. But if you show that you care, you're making an effort, you're trying to understand and work together, boy, that goes a long way, doesn't it? There are probably a good number of people in this room who are having some pretty big issues in marriage. I talk with people individually all the time, as pastors do, um, just looking at the statistics. I mean, and just, just all the dynamics. Life is hard. Marriage is hard. Living with another person that's different than you and putting all that together. Tonight, would you take something that we've shared and grab hold of it, just as a nugget? Listen, don't take it all. Take these notes and go back to them later as di- in different places in life. But would you mark one thing tonight that you can say, that's something I need to do. <laughs> Walmart's going to be getting a lot of business tonight. Right? <laughs> this lady's going to be like, why is everybody buying the little bears, you know? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's something else. But would you just take one thing tonight and say, God, that's going to be my next step. Listen, maybe for you tonight. Did you know you can come to a marriage message 
and give your life to Christ. I preached a Mother's Day message one time and, and, a, and a single guy gave his life to Jesus. Amen. I preached a message about the second coming of Jesus once and a guy came forward and confessed that he had been drinking and got a DUI and he wanted to get his life right with God. God can use any message to speak to you. As a Christian tonight, is God speaking to your heart? About your marriage? About your attitude? If you're not a Christian tonight, maybe God's saying to you, listen, you can't have this level of relationship on this earth until you have that connection with me. Have you ever personally received? See, God says, we want to say, well, God, you're saying I should go first. Why doesn't she go first? Or why doesn't he go first? And God says, no, I went first. I took the first step. So would you just respond to my offer of love tonight? Would you do that? Or in a few weeks, we're going to have a good number of people be baptized. People are giving their life to Jesus at New Hope. Praise the Lord. Today, would you cry out to Him and say, God, save me. Please forgive me. Would you just close your eyes and let's just come into the Lord's presence. Father, thank You so much for this incredible, unconditional, with you no matter what love that you have given to me. Thank you that there was a point in my life when I realized I needed that and I gave my life to you, Jesus, and it's never been the same. And it only gets better, and it's because of you. Father, if there's someone here tonight that does not know that they have that relationship secure, please help them to, to cry out to you and say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. Come into my life, dear God, and be my Savior. Father, we've laughed a lot tonight, and there needs to be some humor because it's very serious. Some of us are very stuck, very frustrated. God, I pray that you've given someone something tonight to hang on to. And if they'll grab hold and trust you to help them to take that next step. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.